This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, this is Unai Emery. Happy Christmas and Happy New Year every supporter. said podcast it's part two of the unapologetic and dysfunctional my old man said christmas special joining me to find out who is the top three villa players of the year to sample mr shaw's exquisite prose and to dive into a load of other categories and discussions mr dan rogers mr phil shaw and mr chris bird welcome back hello 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 it's round two yeah, we missed the bell. We missed the bells at the start of that. This is a this is a minimalist production compared to other years. <laughs> we normally have a full band, bells, instruments, but uh, cost of living crisis, David. Cost of living, indeed. It's really eaten mm. into the budgets of these Christmas specials. Inflation. Terry's view don't pay for itself. Yeah, yeah. My lower ground <laughs> ticket, season <laughs> ticket, doesn't pay for itself. Fortune. That's a joke, by the way, people. Still makes me like the highlight of the year was hearing somebody saying, "Oh, in Warsaw, the talk was about how you're really supporting the uh, lower grounds." And uh, this is a comment on the website: uh, "You're supporting the lower grounds, and you, you you don't mind this hospitality." It's like, dude, have you I was ever the, listened to us? The first person to say to Perslow, "No." Do not compromise the halt, and you know it wasn't listened to. I don't know, uh, and yeah, it, we are joking about lower l- lower ground season tickets just to make sure, uh, just in case you uh, don't have a sense of humour. We had a lovely Christmas dinner there, though, didn't we? As a, as a four, it was it was really really good. <laughs> yeah, especially it was great. Add it to ourselves. Yeah, we were the only f- only four people that turned up for the Zrinsky dinner. Watch Zrinsky Villa. Speak to some old fart who used to play for Villa. <laughs> It's great of Tonef to turn up on it. <laughs> that was a great Q and A with Tonef. Again, that was a joke, uh, people. Supporting the My Old Man Said podcast throughout the festive period is NordVPN, and they are offering listeners an extra four months free on top of cracking savings on their VPN package which can potentially help with that festive viewing, especially if you're away from home this Christmas, as a VPN enables you to watch sporting events and TV shows by switching your virtual online location from a physical location that might not allow you to watch certain matches at certain hours 
while at the same time, it also protects your online privacy on up to six devices. To get the exclusive package and also a no-risk 30-day money-back guarantee, go to nordvpn.com moms or check out this show's program notes as well. Thank you very much. Right, we're going to start off. We're going to take it down a notch. Chris Budd's been uh, chopping wood out in the garden. He's going to bring in some logs. We're going to stick on the fire. <laughs> Dan Rogers putting his slippers on, he's putting his pipe. He's, just my slippers and pipe. Just be yeah, clear. normally he wears a dressing gown, but he's doing it this one naked, unfortunately. Mm. <clears throat> this is why we are audio only. It's mainly tradition, just, David. Just for this reason. But anyway, he's, he's mm. in his rocking chair now. He's got his pipe and slippers on. He's got a printout of, actually, uh, it's not a printout. Phil Shaw got his calligraphy set out yeah, and uh, be- beautifully inscribed a scroll with these words. With a dab hand with a quill and ink. So log fire on, light it up, and let's begin. A Night Before Villa Christmas 2023 by Phil Shaw. Read by Daniel Rogers. <laughs> the build-up is strong. <laughs> it is, it's good. Thank you, everyone. Hang on, let me just rearrange my pipe. Silk kimonos getting everywhere. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Don't catch that silk kimono on the fire. It might turn out to be polyester. That's spandex. You know, worse castori. We'd probably put the fire out if it was a castori uh, kimono. Twas. Twas the night before Christmas when through Bodymore Heath not a creature was stirring except for the click of Emery's mouse. The tactics boards were hung with care, worn out this year for once not bare. The substitutes were all nestled snug in their beds, while Zaniolo resisted the urge to bet instead. When in the terrace view there arose such a clatter, Chris Heck was amazed, because of course no one sat there. Away to the window he flew like a flash, never missing a chance to rob villains of cash. When what to his wandering eyes should appear, but Wes and Nassif they gave him the fear, for upon Chris Heck they needed to check, lest he turn Villa Park into a wreck. Emmy Martinez, the best in the world, told them the lower ground sounded absurd. The squad had performed, the whole year was great. The rest of the club had to step up to the plate. Now McGinn, now Bailey, now Diaby and Ramsey. Don't know why it's gone Churchill here. <laughs> on Torres, on Cashy, on Kamara and Watkins. Just clear the fucker. Hope casuals call, but out from the pack is how we play ball. So into the top four the villains flew, bailing out Ben Hatton and his miserly crew. And then in a twinkling, Heck heard on the roof the prancing and thump of his predecessor's boot as he drew in his hand and turned around. Then the chimney, Christian Perslow, came with a bound. He was dressed in Hermes from head to foot. Monchi followed behind him with a face black of soot. Perslow spoke not a word but went straight to work, blagging away tickets to sing his own song, The Jerk. Monchi looked in Johan Langer's old desk drawer and found he'd been lining up Watkins for Spurs. The whore. Mings and Buendia should have been near, but their ACL scans still were not clear. Nanny McPhee was hard at work on a plan, complicating a set piece as only he can. Wes and Nassif dreamt of Champions League. They'd been burnt before, but this coach didn't deceive. Just then, the maestro strode in, all the research done. It was time to put an end to the festive fun. Unai Emery knew his work was just beginning, even though his team couldn't stop winning. Villa fans now know they aren't dreaming. So Feliz Navidad to Villa and to all a good evening. Oh yes, bravo. 
Oh, yes. Thank you. Those aren't hands that are clapping. Put <laughs> 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 <Burp> your cheeks. <laughs> You're fucking welcome. What a beautiful, what a beautiful entry. What a beautiful entry into the second part. I mean, year on year, it's amazing how your skills don't improve. It's it's just <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil. Sure, he gets he gets he gets by with a little bit of help from his friends. Uh, so the Beatles uh, once said, <laughs> "Well done, Phil." <laughs> yeah. Good work, Phil, on, on your commute. Commute's put to good uh, use. I think we should get into uh, the number three top player of the year. This is somebody who won it in 2020. Turned He's into a Rolls Royce, and then he kind of went off the road a little bit, didn't he? In terms of uh, being the top man, he, he wasn't continuing his uh, progression, but now... What do you mean Gerard ruined another good player? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now, back on it, although intriguing times ahead, because... Having broken into the England team as a centre-back, and we're talking about Ezri Konza, he now finds himself potentially sometimes at right-back in uh, recent times. Uh, will he stay there? What's Matty Cash think about all of this? But Ezri Konza, there's been so much improvement that sometimes people go under the radar a little bit. I think Ezri Konza's been in the forefront just because he finally got his England call-up, didn't he? Eventually, yeah. But it's thoroughly deserved. He's you know he's been brilliant all all year, hasn't he? The, the partnership he kind of reignited with Mings, you know, in the second half of the season, you know, as part of the Euro run, was incredible. Yeah, all and those of course, clean the partnership sheet. he's now formed with with Torres in the new season has been a different type of partnership, but equally impressive. Indeed, us. Uh, mm. Any anybody else got anything to say about Conza? Yeah, well, I mean, if you just need to look at um, under Jared, whenever I think it was. In the last days of Jared, whenever he was forced to play right back against Leeds, and how far he's come in that position since Jared disappeared. Because against Leeds, you know, he, he was game, he was trying it, but nothing was working. Now you see him at right back, and he, while he's not an out and out fullback, he, he adds something to the team. He's he's got the the cultured, you know, ability to actually play there. I think he's been encouraged to play football, hasn't he? Because normally, like a centre back playing as a winger, it's normally like, well, just. Get rid of the ball as quickly as you can to somebody. Uh, you know, if you're if you're in the final third, give it to somebody who can deliver. But he actually, I think, he's encouraged to play, and he links up pretty well so far from what well, we've seen. He's powerful as well. He's difficult to stop when he runs with the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does stick to him. So all good there. And I mean, anybody who's regularly placing in the top five on these Christmas specials is a is a top man. Right, next segment. Uh, things we'd like to leave behind in 2023. I'd like to recall what we actually said in 2022. Anybody remember? Going out of cups early, throwing away 2-0 leads and injuries to players at key moments. Well, we'll have only we'll have one <laughs> well, of those behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, we haven't really progressed, have we? Why, why didn't they grant us our wishes? Well, the half, the leads is fine. We haven't, yeah, we throwing haven't... away 2-0 leads. I think yeah. we've got that out of the system. Because they knew that they had something better planned for us. The universe was working in mysterious ways and said, you deserve better. Going out cups early, that still applies. Anyway, this this one, this was uh, this is the first thing that came off the top of my head, was things we'd like to leave behind in 2023, would be Arsenal, Manchester City and Liverpool. Yeah, just put them in the rearview mirror, please. Mm. Can you imagine that they were done and dusted and we were like uh, double figures, points clear, and we're going into April? Just a procession to the finish line. That's how I see this season panning out. You heard it here first. 
just just a month of Ole football. Yeah, right. Re- reasons to be cheerful. Uh, this rolls on from the uh, the weekly five reasons to be cheerful. Or oh, maybe I should have asked Armin for his hot takes. First thing that came to my head was: Have Villa fans got cause for compensation here from the club? Because we're finally experiencing what it is like to actually have a proper manager, like a really proper top, top level elite guy that, that you actually trust i mean we we can you know you sit on these shows and all villa media and you discuss things like oh uh, you know who should be playing what's he doing here you know what what approach should be here what formation should be and you just it makes all that shit redundant because you just say well he knows what he's doing and you realize we've only had to have those discussions and other podcasts and uh Villa Media have had to have those discussions because we've had the likes of Sherwood, McLeish, Lambert, Gerard, Mateo, Guard. Mateo, Bruce, and th- these are frauds. These Dean are charlatans, Smith. aren't you? The le- <laughs> Dean Smith. Oh no, no, no! Sorry. <laughs> you can't talk bad of him. He's a villain, my good man. <laughs> Ooh. But no, seriously, that it, actually, it's almost like they've hoodwinked the club. When you compare them to what Emery's doing, what he's done, and you know, a couple of those managers have had very similar players, but I mean, they—I mean, they've all got a part in building uh, to where we got to, especially Smith, and you know, even Gerrard's played his part. Certainly in the transfer market. Yeah, when he gets Coutinho in, that's a signal for the likes of Kamara and Carlos and Luca Dean, and obviously, you know, we're trading on the the Gerard name as well. So he's played a part in building this squad, regardless of what you think about him about him as an actual manager. In the realms of actually being a manager, these people in the in the job description that says football manager. If Emery is what a football manager is, these guys aren't. They're frauds. They're charlatans. I mean, Tim Sherwood always used the word charlatan. He was good for that adrenaline injection when the club needed it. But long term, there was no... As soon as you got to the first summer transfer window, you thought, oh, shit, anything could happen here. But it is astounding, the difference of what we've had to uh, go through. I mean, all these jokers have made for a good, entertaining podcast. Now now we're struggling. I was actually yeah. thinking, did, did they break Aston Villa or did Aston Villa break them? I mean, none of them <laughs> have gone on to, That is an existential question because, yeah, Remy Gard as well. I mean, he, he I think he's retired, hasn't he? Well, we retired him. <laughs> he, he, he hates football. We sent him out to the farm. Uh, dreams of Galby in his head. Yeah, he went to Montreal, and after a couple of seasons there, when he was fired, never seen again. (laughs) McLeish, he was dead, dead on arrival. (laughs) He was on someone's (laughs) day. He looked like he was wearing the skin of someone else. I didn't, I never understood it. (laughs) Uh, He looks freakishly close to Chris Heck as well, which is weird. Yeah, so the reasons to be cheerful is like we've we've got a legitimate manager. There's no more frauds or charlatans around. Yeah. Well, there's a trust in the manager and the team, and now you, especially if you know, we when we you know we go to home games, you walk into Villa Park going, doesn't matter who we're playing here, we're giving anybody a game and have. Yeah, but you feel like you, you you're it's not a circus anymore; it's like a football club that knows you're playing it's football. Doing. It's remarkable. Yeah. Or well, when something goes wrong, you think, yeah, it's all right. He's got he'll have an answer for this. So what? So what? All the national pundits. That, I mean, their basis. I mean, it's obviously skewed f- for past performance, but also there's a bias to like London clubs and Manc clubs and Liverpool's legacy, but also the you know the money side of things. But what they haven't factored in really mu- too much, and this is where Villa have an advantage. All those top teams, Manchester United, they don't know what they're doing at the moment. Chelsea, big transition. Same. Can he dig them out? Can Poch dig them out? I don't know. There's a lot of balancing of the books uh, to be done there as well. Spurs, 
you know, he's a new chap in town. There's no guarantees there because he plays a distinct style that could be found out. I think what I've liked about Emery is starting to show a few different looks and different ways of winning. Klopp is Klopp, but I don't think Liverpool are at the zenith of a new team. They this, look this good, is, though, to be fair. I think they've got a very good squad. it's not the Klopp team that's won the Champions no. League and lost very few games. And Manchester City are always going to find it hard to maintain that intensity. doesn't matter how good their team is. They've done well, though, but they, it strikes me it's at that point where... I think I've said this before, you know, certain people, they wait to deadline to do the work. And I think that's how City operate now with this league is like, they can be 10 points behind Arsenal like last season. But then, you know, when they focus, they put the afterburners on and they'll go on a run where they just hammer everybody. This is something that's where we joked about Villa needing to be like double points in April, because if we start to get jittery, you know, like the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City will just be eating up three points every week. But who knew that a good equaliser to oil, money and sovereign state funds was actually just to have a really good manager. I mean, obviously, we've got a bit of financial muscle as well. But the key thing is organisation and a good manager. And, and the belief the belief that comes off the back of that. Because there's a danger of Emery. It's English second language, strong accent. The, I think the good news is we haven't got many English players. So it's not like you go back to the Sherwood Remy Gard days where you had that cliquey clink in the dressing room, the French and the English, you know, the Nobeds crew with Gabby not really buying into it. Now, now you've got very few English players. So they're not going to be joking about the manager or taking the piss or whatever. And, and they've got his respect because he's a winner. And he makes it all of them better individually and collectively. Yeah, you know, they know they're, they're dealing with a real... Of course, he's a professional, but we haven't had many professionals at our club managing, let's put it that way. So I don't think you really need to go on to reasons to be cheerful. Right, let's go for the good, bad and ugly of 2023. I'm intrigued to find out what the ugly is, but uh, what, what's the good? Well, we've alluded to it already. The The good is the, the record-breaking home run, which, of course, I'm taking full credit for because um, I was there for the, the last defeat ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks for so, staying away, by the way. Yes, well, I know. The I mean, last defeat before the home run started. Yeah, say. before the rec- before the record-breaking home 15 games started because I, I was there for the Arsenal defeat and because it's went so long now, I haven't even been able to think about going back, so it's not happening. But to put it into context, the top home records are Liverpool 24 games, Man City 20 games, and Man United 19 games. So you're an illustrious company. Yeah. Mm, Mega. So what's the bad? Well, the bad is VAR refereeing and just in general the rapid decline of officiating standards i mean every week there's issues from the time it takes to make any decision at all with var to the the inconsistency sometimes even in the same match i mean it's been so bad this season already but it peaked when var didn't give a goal for liverpool against spurs when luis diaz was yards on side i mean they knew there was an error and they said oh we can't do anything now it's too late no you can do it. you can tell the referee to stop the game and you can actually give the goal that should have been instead of just saying good process not actually looking what you've agreed to yeah i think one of the big problems with this whole setup now is just its jobs worthness and common sense isn't there in the moment because when you're watching it like if you're watching a game on tv for example sometimes in the ground it happens so quickly and you know you you know you're up in the upper halt and you're kind of lost but if you're at home you've got access to the screen haven't they and they show a replay pretty much straight away and normally you've got a good grasp of the decision straight away and you might need a second look. Well, how long does that take? 30 seconds? 
tops. Yeah. These, these things are going on for minutes, like five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. And it's just a joke. It takes away the momentum of the game. And a lot of it's needless because if at home as a punter, just watching it, you can see the decision. I mean, sometimes, you know, in the ground, you can see it straight away as well. This whole offside farce is a pantomime now where you know it's offside, but you've got to play on. So the keeper knows that his save's not going to count for anything. The the striker who scores or whoever scores, it's like playing out a pantomime. That's how they've decided this is the best way forward. The convenient forgetting of the whole concept of uh, clear and obvious, which is often ignored. It's, they've just made it hard for themselves because the VAR should just be use it in a kind of VAR-like fashion for the real decisions that... But, it, you know, it, when you're looking at offsides in minute detail and going through as many angles, six, seven angles that you can find just to see if they were a millimetre offside, that's bullshit. Yeah. If you can't decide straight away, then benefit the striker, I think. Well, actually, Villa's highline benefit the defence. Yeah. They're, they're looking for 100% <laughs> answers. They should just go on the balance of probabilities. Well, sometimes they're looking for answers that aren't there either. That's the They spend excessive amounts of time inconsistently and for and against certain teams, in my view. But they're just making it more complicated for themselves and just taking this job's worth attitude when... Just use it in a lighter fashion and actually yeah. Uh, yeah. have distinct fucking rules. There's this repetitive, spouted nonsense from Howard Webb and his goblins that this, <laughs> this notion of we're trying to apply a set of rules and principles, and yet I can't see for one second where anything's being applied consistently. I don't no. know how they've got to a point where they've got the technology that they have and they've made the game worse. I, I, I think that's actually quite impressive. They they deserve applause for that. Yeah, it is quite remarkable. But I mean, the, the problem is the argument of, well, let's just get rid of VAR. It's mm. like, well, what VAR's actually done is highlighted how fuck officiating yeah. has yeah. been. They just yeah. make it up as they go along. At oh, yeah. least at least you see through VAR what's going right. And, and really, it's, I mean, it's, it's complete incompetence. I mean, Henry Winter, mid-December, said, oh, we, we, because of the uh, the abuse that the referees get, they, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they start striking. Do me a favour. And there won't be games. Like, well, just sack them all and we'll start again. We'll start with a new <laughs> yeah, institution. <laughs> Volunteer refs, it couldn't be worse. Yeah, just drafting all the Sunday league refs. You can't get worse. That's, the, that's, that's why mm. they won't strike, because you yeah, can't yeah. get worse. <laughs> well, they're held on a pedestal, and as you say, it's as poor as it's ever been. It's, it's more definitely under the microscope. But, but I don't know how, you know. But they've walked into this themselves, yeah, haven't yeah, they, yeah. by how they've uh, applied and used VAR and some of the rules they've, the, how many tweaks of the off handball rule and the offside rule? Handball used to be just handball. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you didn't intend it. it was coming at this angle. It gives a shit if you handball. It's tough shit, you know. Simple rule. Yeah, it's almost like they're being paid. Right? Can you ruin football? Don't worry, we'll pretend it. We'll just make it complicated so the <laughs> layman supporter will just give up after thinking about it for thirty seconds. And you know that's where we take the higher ground. It's bullshit. Anyway, let's move on. The ugly. That should have been the ugly, surely. Mm, no, there's uglier than that. Ooh. Well, it's the, the terrace view, lower grounds, the general gentrification of the Holt. I mean, this was came from a mm, this came from a survey that had fans requesting just basic twentieth century facilities in the concourses. And we are in the twenty first century, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Well. I mean, Villa's commercial team from this survey birthed the double trouble of the terrace view and the lower grounds. Double, double trouble, double yeah. penetration. Oh. <laughs> Hang on, I did the jokes around here. Double <laughs> penetration of the pocket. Yeah. Sorry, being smutty, sorry. 
I mean, you've said it many times, gentrifying your famous copy end, isn't it? It's an mm-hmm. unforgivable sin, as is taking away the whole suite and replacing it with the lower grounds, the picnic tables, popcorn and house wine. It's just <laughs> yeah. a disaster. <laughs> it's it's when you don't get it and you, you don't get it, the fans who take up the offer. But I mean, if everybody stood in unison and said no, then nobody would go in and they'd have to rethink that pretty swiftly. And the only way they could rethink it would be to open it up and then blend in improvements on the concourses. And it would be part of a good concourse that consecutive high price hikes would justify in your season tickets and your, and your match day tickets. And they're very fortunate, as we've said, Emery's kind of bailed them out by having such a, you know, a you know, such an amazing yeah. winning team on the pitch that the fans kind of well the fact that we've won 15 on the bounce at home and probably the last however many 10 home games they've booed the, the lower grounds and the terrace view at half time well the first game uh, Everton where the terrace view came to be the re- reaction was actually more hostile than expected people shouting scabs at other f- you don't want to you know have fans calling out other fans but that's the way it's kind of set up and those fans in there have kind of walked into it really it's the club's fault for making it us and them isn't it the club lay you know they put lipstick on the pig they put lanyards gave lanyards to everybody so they just you know this is because they don't understand football culture so you've got a load of people that are sitting in the upper hall wearing lanyards and they've been escorted there with hostesses and there's a velvet rope there it's like when i walked up the hole i couldn't believe that first day against Everton where I saw these velvet ropes and these fucking hostesses and what the fuck is going on here it's brilliant absolutely I brilliant. couldn't believe it I told Heck at the first meeting I, I said you don't do this in a cop end he said oh, I was before my time I said yeah but it's on your watch that you dressed it up with lanyards and velvet ropes he goes well you've got to sell it haven't you you've got to give it basically it's quite a low cost way of making money is you dress something up to be VIP exclusive. All you need is a fucking velvet rope, some lanyard fucking badges. And people self-esteem will pay money to feel like they're, you know, they've got a good experience. But unless you buy it, you know, you're buying in purposely because that's the only way you can get in and you kind of understand that. If you think you're buying there and you think you're cool, then you're not kind of our people, really. If you're buying in because that's the only way you can get in, fair enough. But it shouldn't really be there. As I said, you can make money out of the hole. Look at you know the yellow wall at Dortmund. This is where you're getting your social media. If you're turning that stand into something with like TFOs and or what Tottenham have done, and there's noise there, and it's a, you know the lungs of Villa Park. That's what's going to attract people to be at Villa, not opening like a disney attraction oh experience the famous uh holt end where where a fucking wristband and uh come and eat the famous holt end candy floss and by the way the uh, the terrace view facilities you know it's all right but it's it's what really the general concourse should be for the price we pay mm-hmm. that's the point but, and you've put walls that up. is a point and we, we're kind of being conned on an upsell that is the problem there but i think heck and ben hatton realize that wasn't the smartest move Obviously, their defences is before their time, but I think you can upgrade that concourse and basically blend in the terrace view and make it as normal and take away that uh, hospitality element. That that would be somebody listening to fans, but we'll see. I mean, the lower grounds, I'm, I'm just pissed off about that. That that actually happened like mid-season as opposed to announced before because that was always a benefit for season ticket holders. So it does leave uh, a bit of a uh, sour taste. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, moving on. Emery's Secret Santa. Right, this is one we haven't really planned. So the premise is, each of us will suggest a player from Villa's past to gift Emery this Christmas to improve his present match day squad. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an upgrade in the first, you know, 11 positions. It could be somebody useful coming off the bench, providing a bit of cover. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. I've um denied about this. And if you listen to episode one, I did suggest we needed another backup striker. So part one. So Marlon Howard was, was the obvious, uh, <laughs> <laughs> obvious choice. Oh, sorry. We, we've, I forgot uh, to, I forgot to mention that secret Santa is under five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that would, um, in, in, in all seriousness. Marlon Howard's about four pounds and two, four fifty something. Like that. Oh, well, mm. <laughs> I used to like him when he came off the bench because it, it, it was an element of fun there. And I had a ticket for Anfield, Villa at Anfield. My Liverpool friend got it. But in the last minute, I pulled out uh, for some reason. And I've never been so gutted that I missed Marlon Howard's overhead kick. <laughs> hmm. I saw him score a fantastic goal. It was away at Reading. Uh, where he well, I saw broken. him score a hat trick against Villa <laughs> for West Ham. That's why we <laughs> bought him. Four nil dropping. Yeah. That can never happen again. We we must buy it. This uh, I do apologise. This was supposed to be four a secret. Pound fifty four pound fifty brutes. <laughs> I'm opening old wounds. <laughs> um, my uh, on on the striker theme. In all seriousness, the striker. Uh, not so long ago, I would buy him and bring him peak Christian Benteke. Yeah, that's kind Ooh. of an obvious one, and I, I think oh, he. He would probably fit in, wouldn't he? But then you've got that dilemma. Would you take him over Watkins? Because he... Yes. What Liverpool... (laughs) (laughs) didn't even need to think. Because what Liverpool didn't really realise that Benteke was a bit of a baller, had a weight of pass, could hold it up. I always think about Benteke when I think about Martin O'Neill's team, which was missing a proper striker... And, that was uh, his fault. That was his fault. And like a proper central midfielder. I mean, if you had McGinn in there and Benteke, I think we're winning the league there because the rest of the team was reasonably solid at that time. Benteke was so good, he could even get on one of Mario Cash's crosses. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that good. Come on. <laughs> but Benteke has been so devalued since he last left Villa. Yeah, it's it's a been shame. bizarre. I, I, I didn't quite get it. Literally, I've never seen him re produce what he did at Villa in no. any shape or form. Palace, when we played Palace, it was like... He looked so disinterested, didn't he? Whenever, yeah. I mean, I didn't watch much of him, but I, I remember that, that lockdown season where 
I think we really needed to beat Palace actually, and they were the most disinterested. But for such a strong, predatory striker that he was, he was he he was more like a Marlinewood, really. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, secret centre for Emery, ex Villa player. We we could we could do the backup goalie, couldn't we? So you maybe go Bosnic, but hang on a minute. Hang I'm going to go prime 95-96 Dwight York. Because he could play up front or he could play just behind. If I'd have had a gun, I'd have shot him. <laughs> Do you think he was a team player? I mean, I remember when he took on Newcastle when we were down to 10 men, took him on on his own. We got beat 4-3 in the end. but He was a team player when it came to Katie Price, wasn't he? <laughs> could cut that out. <laughs> so that's two strikers, shall we say. Uh, Phil Shaw. Hmm. Well, I was going to say Ben Teggy, but I have a backup. Go on then. I'm going to have to take Platt, just for the guaranteed goals. Ah, We're winning the league. We're winning the league, boys. Yep. Oh, who does he? Who does he play over though? This is this is the thing. He's he's playing in that. Oh, he's playing over Diaby or Bailey. He's a he's a genuine ten. Ah, That's a great shirt. Mm. He's a genuine ten out of ten as well. Well, This is Platt Villa Platt. Villa Platt is a bit like Villa Benteke as well. Yeah, it's just guaranteed at least at least a goal a game, sometimes two or more. Cycling shorts, Platt, that's what you're going for whenever he wore those stupid black <laughs> cycling shorts. He's thinking about this in a bit of detail. The thing I was deprived of as a Villa fan, and I just wanted one more season of this player, and that was Alan McAnally. Ooh. Because we got rid of him. I mean, we Platt stayed on, but those two together were like dynamite. And I'd have loved to have seen, and McAnally as a, I don't know if technically if he would suit if he could he fill in for Watkins? I mean, it would be a different. I mean, this isn't my choice, by the way. I'm just throwing out there. Uh, just the idea of watching another season of him playing for Villa would, would have been the season I got deprived of. Thinking like, obviously, one of the situations that would help would be a genuine right back. But we haven't had that many. <laughs> you know, well, exactly. So that, this is why I'm going for like Gary Williams of the European Cup team. I mean, so many decent players in that team that you would throw in there. But if there was one that would actually potentially upgrade the first 11, it would be Gary Williams because he was a baller. And he's exactly the kind of uh, profile of right back that would probably serve as well. Superior to Cash. This is, you know, without going for like, you know, the obvious uh, top scoring villains, etc. I think, you know, like Gareth Barry, would he give you anything? Not necessarily, because you've already got Kamara and Louise, really. And they come as a pair. Yeah, they work well. Still thinking of a backup goalie. <laughs> I mean, Tony Morley would get in there. Cutting him from the left. Yeah, and could play both sides. I mean, I'd love to see Gary Shaw, but I don't know. Sure, I think this exposed for me how few players from our inverted comma modern era you would cherry pick. There are so few. Yeah, because you've got like, you know, you can look, Dean Saunders, there's an argument there. I mean, prime Atkinson when he couldn't be bothered. I wouldn't trust him. Tony Moore, uh, t- Tony Daly on the left would be interesting. Atkinson was in a title race and he went fucking missing. And, you know, we know he had a 100%. We know he had a coke problem. So we don't know if he was injured or just out of it. But he let us down in that title and he disappeared. Dean Saunders, I think there's a call. He, match day squad, perfect. Uh, who, who did you just say, sorry? Tony Daly on the left. Yeah, Tony Daly, I think he would be good match day squad. I mean, Cowan's, of course. McGrath. Of course. Tricky one. Think about mm. McGrath. And I think a match day squad in terms of a utility play, and, you know, you ain't going to get that much better than Milner, who can play in probably four or five positions these days. Like McGrath, alongside Torres, um, I mean, we're talking about McGrath with, you know, shaky knees, as we had. Him alongside Torres, I'm not so sure, because I think Torres needs... 
a, let's say, a more action-packed centre-back next to him. And McGrath needed somebody to do the heavy lifting in terms of that. You know, he needed an attack dog, really. So McGrath was like the Torres role, really, wasn't he, back then? And Teal just took on the action. I think McGrath alongside Mings is a good combo. They'd be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. But I'll, I'll stick with Gary Williams just because that sorts out that uh, right-back situation in terms of going forward as well, especially. But yeah, definitely keep a Spinks or Bosnick or something like that as a uh, backup. Or would you even go down the Rimmer route? I don't want to Rimmer anybody, thank you very much. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> right, let's go to the runner-up this year, Player of the Year. Popular choice by the Mileman said Match Club Cruise. A lot, a lot of people had him number one. It was always going to be these two, wasn't it? Yeah, this is somebody uh, I I would have been happy with 25 million to get rid of him if he was interested in going to Arsenal. No problem at that time. He hadn't actually showed anything, particularly above and beyond as having potential. But as soon as he stayed, that's when he kind of clicked into gear and went up a level, didn't he? And obviously Emery was a massive part in helping him realise his role. And do you think it was confidence? Head turned by a lady in the women's team. <coughs> yeah, but I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about on the field. Why stability? Possibly. It's almost like he needed to step up to be a main man because he wasn't yeah. that main man, wasn't he? He was disposable because he didn't give us enough. We are, of course, talking about Douglas Louise. But yeah, sorry, uh, I'm sure people would guess as soon as I said 25 million, but Dougie Louise, indeed. But he's very much part of the, the team now. You always think he's he's looking for a move, though, ultimately. But I think the thing is, Martinez is the one that keeps them all in line. Yeah. Because he's the one that's won the World Cup. So he said, we're going for it. And Villa go for it. And they're in the top four, fighting for the title and qualifying for the Champions League. There's nowhere ever else you can go, really. Unless you're mm. going to get, if you want more money, that's the only yeah. situation. And in fact, we actually, would probably give you at this point. Yeah, if we value you and you're good, we'll give you whatever you want anyway. I think you've, you've seen a player who's got belief in his ability now. He knows his role. I think the fact he, he bedded in a partnership with Kamara was huge. So he didn't have to do all of the work himself, maybe. But you've seen a player who now has added assists, goals, which we thought he had in his game, but he does now. And he controls the game for us. Kamara coming back from injury means that Douglas Luiz has a more of a freer role to actually join in the attack and link up the attack. And I think that's benefited his game. And benefited McGinn as well, you would say. that The, the balance of the yeah. that midfield now is just incredible. And then, you, of course, you drop Ramsey back in there, who was great at the back end of last season, and other guys who've come in and done a role, you know, done their job. Because Luis and Kamara, you know, even McGinn, Tillemans, all very good at playing in tight spaces under pressure. And that allows you to do a hell of a lot as a midfield. You've seen some of the goals we've scored this season especially and and Louise of course you know, last season he was scoring big goals in big games if you remember you know, so he's got the, you know, the free kick against assists. Tottenham yep the goal on the last day against Brighton the big free kick against Spurs he knows how to take a penalty as well he does yeah no exactly he does yeah. And he's great to watch, isn't he? In full flow, he's got some great touches. I have a feeling uh, this show next year, if we're still still alive, <laughs> after winning the Champions League and uh, league <laughs> oh. title, oh. I think we'll be talking about Tillemans a lot because he's... Uh, I think he's only going to get better. Too much of a short time frame, really, for him to be like Phoenix from the Flames. I mean, there were some people trying to sell him in uh, January, going back in October. Do you think we should cash in on Tillemans? Nope. But he's a great footballer. He's given us another level, 
rather than having playing in his position, for example, an inconsistent Zaniola or whoever, he, he's somebody that now he's on his game. Him, Luis, Kamara, McGinn, even Bailey, oh. Diaby, all just oh. technically really good. <laughs> Some of the passing against Manchester City, just in the under pressure, tight spots. And that pass that Tillemans did to actually set up the Arsenal goal, Oh, Brilliant goal. Into Bailey. That pass, it was it just sped up and just it basically changed the tempo like that. And even though his performance, the first time we really saw him was, you know, the Alkmaar away game and he got the goal, didn't he? That was a big moment for him. And then all he hasn't really looked back from then. Yeah, because he initially when he got he was coming on as sub just to kind of manage games, wasn't he? He was neat and tidy, but normally he was coming on, we were winning and didn't really have to do much. Then he went in that period where he, he started deeper. And he was getting got his ca- game. caught out of possession a couple of times. and He had a terrible night in Warsaw, didn't he? Yeah, but that's because he wasn't slotting into a system or, uh, you know, that kind of welcomed him. And it wasn't, you know, he wasn't part of the, the party. But anyway, we're, we are cramping uh, Douglas Louise's style here. He is uh, number two and the runner-up of Villa Player of the Year. Uh, we just want to go through some of the match club people because we did ask uh, a question. It's not actually on the plan. Best in and out. Best in and out was Jimmy Rimmer, wasn't it? (laughs) Now, the worst opinion on Villa. Your own, media, or whatever. Jim says, any opinions from North London clubs, fans regarding Villa, VAR, or anything football-related? Matt D says, anything Garth Crook says. Obviously, that was hot, referring to the... uh, Sheer fantasy, I think. The two words he described as Villa's title chances. Also says Chris Sutton during the season's previews, actually laughing at the idea of us qualifying for Champions League when we'd already finished seventh and fifth this year could actually do the job. Armin says, worst opinion on Villa. Emery plays defensive football. Column says, Garth Crooks has always been a shockingly awful pundit. Reinforced that view uh, after the Arsenal game. Ben Redding says, Tifo football YouTube video saying, we were lucky at the end of last season and that signing Pau Torres would make us worse. It's Phil's friend also, that chap, isn't it? Mm, I'm blocked. He blocked Friendship's you. Friendship's over. He blocked me. Anders <laughs> says... Worst opinion on Villa, my mate, Millwall supporter. It's better Villa plays in the championship so we can get some points. That's <laughs> <laughs> was kind of true. I remember when we got relegated, not the last time, the time before, and they were in the second division. And uh, they used to beat us then. They, were, they'd win the league. Villa came second. Matt says his own opinion, thinking we should cut our losses on Bailey. There's been a few uh, turnarounds on opinions on Villa players uh, under Emery because he's resurrected them. Phil Shaw normally writes a load of players off. He's normally uh, written their prescriptions to go to the glue factory quite quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he he already had Dean Smith ordered him an Uber to go to the uh, glue factory uh, (laughs) before Dean Smith had a chance to do anything. Was that against after we got beat by Watford? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> you were proven right in the end, though, weren't you? Phil? Let's be honest. As Christian Perslow said, he wasn't going to get his eighth this year, nor was he going to do it next season. <laughs> Where is he now? That's all I'll say. Matt, 82 ABFC from Match Club says, right, this is a quote. Yuri Tillemans is physically cooked and can no longer play at the top level. 
a media narrative initially from TIFO that I 100% bought into, and then I realized he's only 26. He's been outstanding since settling in. There's a good uh, good comment there, but that's exactly what we were we were saying. But yeah, that's that's the thing. A lot of people were thinking, oh, we've got a free transfer. Here's somebody at the end of their career who's like 31, 32. And that's, that's actually, I, I think I was thinking, I was surprised when, oh shit, he's only 26. <laughs> he was, a lot of the Leicester fans basically saying he was a lazy, slow, fat, donut munching <laughs> Belgian, basically. <laughs> Look at him now, he's, he's virile, he's thriving. <laughs> it's proof that you can be lazy, fat, donut munching and a good, real top pro. I mean, it's <laughs> dispels the You make him feel wanted, give him a contract that he wants and he'll yeah. play good football. Yeah. Vicky says AFTV, Arsenal Fan TV, pricks being let into Villa Park and ranting pure hate about us and hoping we get relegated. Not happy about that at all. Mm-hmm. Neither was I, actually. And I told the head of communications who, who who the hell let them in. wasn't him. West opinion on Villa. Are, this is Charles P, are Villa's, Aston Villa's transfers making them worse? Is that that TIFO video? Yes. Yeah, God, it's full of shit. That, uh, I, I never watched it, but I just saw the uh, vitriol that was coming out from it. <laughs> Mateo says... Worst opinion, while Mings was in an ambulance on his way to hospital, Freddie Lohnberg spent 10 minutes at halftime of the Newcastle Villa game in the Via Play studio explaining why Mings is such a bad defender. Another Arsenal prick shows him the red (laughs) card emoji. Julian says, Julian888 says, Miguel Delaney's not elite comment that was directed at Unai Emery, wasn't it? Yes. Julian actually said most improved player, Leon Bailey, who he hated most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a real redemption if Julian's given uh, Bailey the thumbs up. That is, the uh, Dante's circle has been completed and he is now reborn. Dan C says, worst opinion, media narrative around our high line and how we will be found out. Yeah, I thought that Highline would be cracked by now, but it's it's obviously something that nobody can handle properly. A few people have had a go. I mean, Manchester United at Old Trafford, they were reasonably successful. Yeah, Forest. Forest, yeah. Bournemouth did all right. Steve Duffy says, worst opinion, most opinions by Danny Murphy on anything, but his take on Nan- Nanny McPhee questioning why we should need a set-piece coach was bizarre and had his fellow match of the day pundits scratching their heads. Nanny McPhee's like our mascot, isn't he? You got to love him. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, well, there's a stat that uh, I don't know what game it was on, but actually said Villa had scored more goals from set paces than any other team in the Premier League. Who's taking that acclaim for that? I need to lie down. <laughs> I mean, that's good. I mean, I'm not sure it quite undoes. How long has he been with us? <laughs> Those first few seasons. We should have won the league by now. Right? No, his probationary period was the longest in history. Just finish on this one. Also, Scandinavian punditry on Villa is by and large pretty weak and lazy. These days, they obviously have to talk about us, but while they do it, they surely just can't wait to be done with it and jump back on their usual routine about Haaland or Odegaard and City, United, Arsenal or Liverpool. Like children eating their mushy peas waiting for dessert. Interesting analogy. <laughs> Getting the mushy peas in. Didn't know they were big in Scandinavia. Right. Best in, best signing recently. Well, best signing this year, shall we say? In terms of straight off the bat impact, I'd say Moreno. But in terms of 
potentially what he could do and transform the team. Potentially Torres. The big picture. Yep. Pal, big picture Torres. Yep. yep. Paella Torres. Dan Rogers. Yeah, no, Torres for me. That looks Although, I do like, I've really liked Diaby at times, but I think he's probably got another level he's going to need to. Yeah, just sometimes he's been knocked off the ball a bit too easy. I always thought he's, well, he's a bit he's, small. He's fun to watch. He's exciting. He's a bit small for this Premier League. But then you think, when you saw him play the first few games, you thought, oh, he's freaking fast and nippy. Mm. Doesn't, doesn't matter what size he is. In terms of outs, did we get rid of Sanson for good or is he still on loan? No, he's still on loan. <laughs> <laughs> he's 87 years old. What a contract he got. I thought a disappointing out was Coutinho because... You might as well have sent him to the glue factory uh, than to Qatar, because that is a real disappearance act, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We couldn't even get money for him. That's rubbish. It's literally retirement, isn't it? Yeah, he was I mean, broken, though, wasn't he? Yeah, the, in terms of the best out, I suppose you'd have to say Danny Ings in terms of mm. money. You know, yeah. Of course, at the time, he was you know the top goal scorer at that point. It was a gamble, but, wasn't it? Because when we got him in, we were like, oh, gamble. good, we've got two strikers now. Now we can, if we're going to be serious about Europe, you're not going to get rid of Ings. Then we got rid of him. We thought, oh, we're not very serious about Europe. And then we qualified. And we looked better. <laughs> but we clawed back a lot of his... Yeah, know, especially with amortisation and stuff like that, we we clawed back a lot of his fee. We we clawed back some of his aggregate. <laughs> and actually, I'd probably say that the deals on you know, the youngsters who left, you know, the sort of filigree oh, days, fuck yes, and Archer etc. as well, fuck they were very yes. good deals because we got, let's be frank, massively inflated fees for them. I would Aaron say. Ramsey. Totally forgot about that cull. Yeah, Aaron Ramsey, fourteen million, wasn't it, for a kid who's barely kicked a ball in the first team? Yeah, that looks very good business. I mean, to be fair to Burslow, he always was quite bullish on this, where if they're not performing at like, I forgot what age it was. It was, it was 22. Yeah, then get them out. And that's pretty much what's happened to those guys because they should have been match day squad, shouldn't they? You've also, we've also got cash for the likes of, um, I mean, we, we got a couple of million quid for Keenan Davis. Mm-hmm. Sold him oh, to yeah. Denise. Which was profit. Profit or profit. I mean, a well, it is, isn't it? Isn't, isn't it? Because it's like costs of uh, him and wages and wages. I know, but and, he was yeah. he was paid by um, by the amount of goals that he scored, Davis. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we were actually significant so uh, medical costs. <laughs> <laughs> we we got the medical costs on insurance, and we only paid him per goal. So that was a good deal. Uh, on the on the flip side. <laughs> We didn't get such a good deal. Did we get any money for Wesley? Is he still as? You know he's gone. He's he gone to Stoke, didn't he? Yep. For like a couple of million, I think it was. Did it? Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably the greatest transfer in the history of football. Is see. Anyway, I think we should end on Player of the Year, and perhaps the period that really crystallised it was probably those two games, wasn't it, against City and Arsenal in the space of a week? Because he pretty much was the difference in those games. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a save here and there from Martinez and against City to a man. Everybody was at least a 9 out of a 10. But for the player that he terrorised City and hardly ever gave the ball away, did he? Won it back against the odds in many places, was very good on the ball, tucked away that goal against Arsenal supremely. Yep, he's, he's popped up with some big goals this year. Well, he was also in the part one, the most improved player of the year as well. Deserved. Mm-hmm. Improved so much to the best player of the year. And as I will say, you would not swap him for Grealish. And he was always the bridesmaid to Grealish when Grealish was at Villa. But And probably at the time, rightly so. But you knew there was more from McGinn, but you were 
it, it got mm. to a worrying situation shortly after Gerard made him captain that you thought, well, obviously Gerard's seen something in him. And again, you know, maybe Gerard's ahead of his time there, but it needed Emery to get his best role in the team and hats off to him big time. I mean, I, you know, I always said that I would have McGinn in a match day squad, whoever we get in, you know, above him. He'd always have a, a useful role, but now he's now main man territory. Yeah. And he's, and he's the, 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 the talismanic figure in terms of a personality. I think he's great in the press. He's good for a, a sound bite. I think he's great fun. He's the player that the fans want to get behind. And he's the guy, you know, when the, when the chips are down, he, you know, he smashes into someone or he makes something happen or he can pop Scored up with a in goal. the playoff final. Mm-hmm. He did. He, he's essentially finally... He's added goals this year, yeah, he's, finally. he's finally replicated what he's doing for his national team and he's doing mm-hmm. it at Villa week so. in, week out now. And that is the yep. difference. We used to almost look at Scotland with envy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think, I mean, something I think about is that when we talk about players like McGinn and we've talked over these last two Christmas episodes about players who in this current squad, you know, they're, they're, they're stand out not just as a group, but individually. And finally, with a player like McGinn, I, I don't cringe when I hear of a, of a maybe a, Villa, a younger Villa fan say they idolise a player or they want to be like a Villa player. Yeah. Because yeah. McGinn's got genuine attributes as a player and a person, actually, who... It, it, you know, we're a long way away from some of that. I could sit here and list names on all, all day, really, of players who they, they they're nowhere near the level of quality of players of a McGinn. And I think finally now he's in amongst that group of players where we can we, we can be quite proud of them actually. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, he's, 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 he's a yeah, he's a top guy as well. So uh, congratulations to McGinn, and hopefully we shall see you lifting a trophy as Villa captain. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. At the end of the season. Riding Aussie the bull. <laughs> yeah, riding the... As we prophesied, but that prophecy was for the FA Cup last season. But you've got to put it into uh, the ether, haven't you? So uh, Manifest. So yeah. who knows? I mean, it's not out of the question. Could be lifting the league title. Could be lifting the FA Cup and the conference. And that would be a treble. God, imagine if we won the treble. Then the scenario would... One of the conversations would be, would have Grealish preferred this treble with Villa or the City treble? <laughs> Hmm? And we'll, we'll be saying who he gives a fuck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe, whatever his name is. Yeah, he'll be happy at Spurs for then. But McGinn will be, me and uh, Dan Rogers will be making a, building a brass statue of McGinn outside if that happens. Mm. If he oh, captains us to a treble. Pull that McGregor one down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. will be melting it down. For the McGinn statue, the treble winning McGinn statue. Might be a bit smaller because we're going to have to make the FA Cup Conference League trophy and uh, the Premier League title out of that brass. So, mm. uh, But there's plenty of uh, plenty of the glue factory we can melt down with it. So. <laughs> All right, anyhow, anyway, on that note, hopefully by the time we speak in the uh, 2024 Christmas special. We'll be talking about a trophy win, the first time since 1996. Wow. Fingers crossed for that. But in the meantime, I hope you had a good Christmas, or I hope you're having a good Christmas and festive break. And until next we meet, it's Merry Christmas from me, and it's Merry Christmas from them. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.